Welcome to episode 1.5. <laughs> Our first episode with a guest. Yes, Vanessa Andrews from Madam Chino. This is exciting. This is super exciting. Uh, we want to put in a couple caveats. We're still uh, getting the hang of this podcasting thing, interviewing. So we prepped with questions, but we had so many questions. So fitting them um, into a nice, concise podcast was uh, a feat of editing. <laughs> so Which neither of us are professionals at, but we're going to be there. Yeah. We're going to get there. Exactly. And so you're not going to hear every question, every answer, although maybe we could do an unedited, want to hear the Ooh. whole thing, listen, uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Um, and you'll hear some things that probably, if we were a little more advanced in our own skills, could be edited out, like a squeaky chair and, you know, a few ums and ahs and likes, but whatever. We're keeping it real, right, Shelly? We are keeping it real. absolutely keeping it real. And squeaky chairs are a part of life, my friends. Yes. My friends. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get started. So we asked, just to give a little bit of background on Madame Chino, right? We asked her the boring question about uh, if you were at a cocktail party and somebody asked you what you'd do, how would you answer that? And so she basically told us this. Well, I would probably just say, hey, I own a a shop in in West Dallas and I'm doing sewing (laughs) in classes. My business has three parts to it and I'm doing basically a third of each. So I sell vintage and handmade stuff. Um, I'm doing alterations and custom sewing for people. And then I teach sewing classes. Um, And the building that I'm in has perfectly divided into three sections for each of those (laughs) components of the business. Mm -hmm. And then, so, you know, we had an idea of what she does, um, but then we asked her, you know, if we were at that same cocktail party and we asked her what lights her up. Would her answer be different? And I just loved her answer. Oh, this response was so great. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's a great question. And I um, and actually, when I ask it, I'm usually like, "What makes you mad?" <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> find out what gets under your skin and what makes you want to um, change some things, right? And um, to me, I guess what lights me up or what what makes me mad is just waste and cruelty. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think something that I think about is people who can't speak for themselves, animals, plants, you know, pollution, and all of that was sort of what got me started thinking about this kind of thing. And, um, and then I found out even more about child labor and uh, all the cruelty and injustice that goes into just our supply chain and, um, the things that consumers, at least in America, are really aware of, that is the strings that are attached to all of the things that we consume, it, we are blind to it. And where does it go after? So it's like the before and the after of consumption is scary. <laughs> and so um, that's, that's been the the basis of what I'm trying to do is just, I mean, whether you can help people understand that or just somehow, you know, put a wrench in it somewhere or another, you know, fixing people's clothes, um, you know, recycling textiles that people are getting rid of, that kind of thing, just to keep it out of the, uh, just keep it out of the waste stream and keep people from buying new stuff. 
Yeah. To me, that was just genius because yes, like it frames how to think about these ideas, right? How to think about making change. Um, because we, you know, so many times people put out that question, like, do what, do what you're passionate about. And a lot of people kind of scratch their heads and they're like, I don't know what my passion is. Right. right? Yeah. Or, but everybody has something that makes them mad. And so everybody has something that um, gets under their skin. And just this idea that that could be your thing, that that could be where you, what you run with. Right. Absolutely. It reminds me so much of that quote from, I think it's Frederick Buechner who says that your vocation is the place where your joy intersects with what the world needs. And mm. so often like the, what makes us mad is maybe what the world needs, right? Like the world needs people who are taking care of the environment, um, people who are helping us reuse materials we already have. Exactly. So that was such a, I, I was so glad we went there with that question because I feel like that really got under why she started what she did and where she was going with her gifts. Mm -hmm. The other thing I really liked about her story of how she got started with Madame Chino, where that came from was, um, well, it was two pronged really. Number one, she started with friends. Mm -hmm. Actually. So when I was in high school, just out of high school, my best friend and I, we started talking at Comet Cafe. (laughs) We brainstormed this, idea for fasten and we started it at a, a, a local market it was beans and barley had a green market and um we just found a bunch of artists and we started that consignment rate we still just only did it on saturdays at that market yeah and so we were just like a tent and booth and i boy i remember we were i mean i got it out of my apartment on a wagon because <laughs> i didn't drive so we would like well like pile trunks up on top of this wagon and drag it to the market, you know, with the tent and the rug and the, you know, oh, it was pretty sparse. I could send you a pic of it. It was pretty funny. I loved that her story really included this idea of the power of the collective. Because it's so much easier to do this this thing with friends, right? Like, like this podcast, right? You and me. I'm looking at you, Megan. I'm looking at you, Shelly. Like we probably, like, I probably wouldn't have done this by myself. Like, not that I don't think I couldn't have done it by myself. Well, you but are just, doing all the editing, FYI. Well, <laughs> you probably couldn't do it by yourself, but hey, I'm glad to be along well, for the but ride. There's, no, but there's something about doing it with you that makes me feel braver or more courageous about putting it out there. And I feel like she illustrated that so nicely by starting the Fasten Collective. So starting small and um, I mean, not even, well, starting small, but of course it grew quickly. Um, But just taking those first few steps with other people, I think that was a huge lesson uh, for me. And like, just how to, if you have an idea, pull somebody else in or, you know, find somebody who shares, shares that. Right. The people that the friends that she had that were doing um, crafty things, sewing things, creative projects needed space and nobody had the money or resources to fill up a space, but together they figured it out, which was just such a wise lesson. You know, we don't have to do these things alone. Find somebody with the same interest with the same level of resources and share. 
find a way to share. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and that kind of, so in her, in her, the story about um, starting small or the idea of starting small, I love that too, that like the second prong of that for me was like this whole, um, the button story. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, they like they literally did start small. They were selling <laughs> buttons for a dollar each in coffee shops yeah. around town. That popcorn sales thing, what we ended up doing was selling buttons. So one of the gals had a great idea. She said, let's get a button maker. Everybody threw in 50 bucks. It was like $250. And we would get together in these meetings and we would make buttons. And then we would each took a coffee shop and we would walk off without a little baggy full of buttons and we would go to that same coffee shop and flip the buttons and take the money back you know is it fuel and comet and a few other ones maybe hi-fi cafe let us put like a little placard up with our buttons on it and we would collected that money and that was our first down payment on our storefront was from from the cash sales of those buttons so wow <laughs> Oh, I love that story. Yeah, yeah, actually really a great story. And I mean, that that to me, they were dollar buttons, you know, and it was this group of people just, you know, just switching the buttons out and and yeah. a couple of supportive coffee shops that let us, you know, do those sales without, you know, um, charging us for it. The other part of that is how great is Milwaukee that there are small businesses that will support other small businesses? So she was very clear that coffee shops were really important to her mm -hmm. beginning, both as a place to work as an artist who didn't have an office space, um, but then as a place that was willing to sell their buttons so that they could scrape together the money to put to get a space. They right. literally sold $1 buttons out of coffee shops in Milwaukee to get rent. That's just so inspiring. Yes. Yeah. Because it means you don't have to have a huge bank account to get started on something. You just need a creative idea, something that makes you mad that you want to change and the gumption to just go for it yeah, and just do right. it. Right. And finding those collaborative partners at the right time. Those coffee yeah. shops were crucial to them having a revenue stream because, it, you know, I think she said pretty concisely, the coffee shops weren't a competitor, you know, they weren't selling crafty things. They weren't selling buttons. So sure, we'll sell your buttons. It feels like the right place at the right time. Finding those exactly. people seems important. Exactly. And the other part of sort of starting small is I, I just loved all the examples she gave us about how creative they had to get mm -hmm. uh, in terms of getting the word out about their collective, about their art, about what they do. Um, you know, she talked about these events that they hosted. Advertising was almost as big as, as expensive as rent at, at times even more. So we never had to, we never had money to do that, but we got our word out because there used to be a lot more print print um like magazines and things there was the shepherd there was like a mke you know the newspaper booklets um it was called mke and then 
the Onion had the AV Club. They were covering all this cultural Milwaukee local event stuff, and you could get them everywhere. And that's kind of where coffee shops came into play again because people would go to these coffee shops and pick one of those up, and they would look inside and say, "What's going on?" So we just had we instead of advertising, we're like, "Let's just have events." And so we would throw events and fashion shows and get as many people involved as we could. The models the different designers, um, DJs, et cetera. And then it was, we would send out a press release and get the coverage for the events instead of paying, you know, $800 a week for a little ad. So, um, I mean, I really felt at that time and I think we were all really inspired. Like we're actually creating culture. Like we're not just consuming it. We're, you know, it's really empowering thing to feel like we had, we were having an effect, you know, we were getting people involved in something and we were trying to support whatever it was that they wanted to do in that space, you know, with the clothing, um, you know, and that self-expression. So, and then later when she decided she was ready to leave the collective, you know, the whole thing about her bartering for space in her next iteration, she traded rent for cleaning. So in the long term, too, I think one of the other things that helped me financially get through a lot of stuff um, was doing work trade for rent. <laughs> so I had a studio space on the east side that I did work trade for by cleaning that building. And it was a basement studio apartment. It was a basement, two bedroom basement apartment that I had my workspace in for free for eight years. I mean, by trading a couple hours a week, I would, you know, um, clean the building, but it was, it was pretty low key, you know, it was an incubator space for me and it gave me freedom, you know, cause when you're doing, when you're in this financial, like, Oh, I got to pay for this. You just don't have the room to dream up what you want. You know, what's, what do you want to do? Yeah. I loved that part too. Just the amount of grit <laughs> that it takes to, to get what you need. Um, she just displayed that and it's a really great lesson. And I think humility, um, recognizing that we might have to, in order to do the thing that we love, there might be parts that require us to dig deep and, and clean toilets or, um, or ask for help. Mm. That's the other part, you know, I, I wonder, or have the courage to even ask like, Hey, I can't afford rent, but would you be willing to, or what do you need? How can I, how can I use my gifts or my energy to contribute to your life so that we can make a trade? I thought that was a really, a really like gritty way to go about solving that problem for herself. Yeah. And you know, the other, I guess the other big point or the other big takeaway for me was just how much she at every point in her business, really listen to her intuition, listen to her body, right? So from the very beginning, the first question, um, you could just feel the intensity when we asked her what lights her up and she talked about being getting mad, right? You could feel that intensity of neat, like there's no way she was not going to do this because that is what her body like told her at that moment was that needed to be done. Like there's just no way she wasn't going to do it. And then, so she forms a collective, you know, she does this with her friends, but then, you know, her body tells her she's exhausted. And I just love this part where she talks about the moment 
after she left when she realizes her body was right. When I stepped away from fast and I remember having this very non-climactic epiphany of I'm hungry. Well, I'm going to go eat some lunch. (laughs) And it was like, you can answer your body's call because I was just doing so much that I was always putting what I, you know, my body needed aside. (laughs) So it sounds kind of silly, but yeah, it just was not, I was not listening to my body. And I, I took all of the energy of, you know, running, getting out of six years of college with like a three, nine, five grade point average. And like, you know, really just full steam ahead and got out of school and went straight into this storefront business for five years with, you know, I knew if I dropped the ball on that momentum that I had from coming out of school like that, and then didn't do anything, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be utilizing that energy, that momentum that I'd created. So I hit a wall pretty hard after five years and had to sort of calm myself down. And, you know, I think for me, the very, the last takeaway, I just love the way she ended for us talking about how sort of comparing entrepreneurialism or comparing her entrepreneurial spirit to acting and performance art, you know, because she didn't know what she was doing the whole time. And she was very upfront and very honest with us about that. But at the end of the day, it's like you put on this persona, like she was Madame Chino, that that story just needs to be told in her words. Even if you're shy of how the world is going to receive it, if you see yourself as this artist who's doing like, you know, it's a performance you're doing, it's acting, you know, you're um, Madame Chino, the name of my business was a personality that I tried on, <laughs> you know, I actually had a shirt that said Madame Chino. I was like, who's this, who's this lady? I'm always wearing this shirt when I'm sewing, like maybe it's me. And um, it gave me a little bit of an escape, but I feel like, you know, that like, like I'm sort of saying, you don't need all the time to do this. You know, it could be just um, a performance art piece, an installation that you created and doesn't have to stay up forever. You know, you can take it down and change it. And just this idea of, of being able to change, right? And not locking yourself into one thing just because that's how you started. Just this ability to be fluid, uh, to grow, to change. Like, I just loved that because so often we want to put ourselves in a box and we can only do this one thing. Isn't it just true that in order to get the courage to do something or one way to get some courage to do something new is to just step into that experience with the willingness to fail or not do it perfectly And she demonstrated this idea of like performance art as the lens through which she did that for her own business. I just, what a cool concept. And I mean, sometimes I wonder, Megan, what would, what would this be like if we like dressed up in podcasting, uh, you know, like attire? I mean, not my bathrobe. (laughs) (laughs) Or we can make our, we can make our backgrounds into like a studio on Zoom instead of our living rooms. Um, yeah, but you know, like the power of sort of um, using our imagination and to get courageous. I just love that yeah. whole thing from her. So cool. I mean, that's kind of what we, that's kind of how this whole idea started, right, Shelly? I mean, over the pandemic, you 
started leading our group of women friends in a Sunday morning meditation, which was so um, rejuvenating and so necessary in that time of isolation for us. That spiraled into our retreats, which were longer Sunday mornings, right? Three hour, three or four hour times where we really got deep and reflective and intentional. And that encouraged you and I when it was finally safe to meet again. Remember we went, we were at the coffee shop, which, where were we? Oh my gosh, we were at Valentine on Valide. Talking about coffee shops, right? We were there planning, um, our e-course that we then offered in the fall, right? Which we piloted on our on our Sunday morning meditation friends, but then opened it up to a wider group and had almost thirty five women pausing with us for the month of December through these daily. Um, it was a twenty one day challenge. It was in the course of that pause challenge work that we started to record videos together of us chatting, which is basically a podcast. Yes. So it's true. We were sort of performance art- arting our way into this realm too. And and definitely still feel like I'm, I have to kind of step into what does it mean to not say right every 10 seconds? <laughs> How do I do that? Right. How to be a performance artist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It does make it feel much less intimidating to think about it as a experiment or an installation. Yeah, that can change. It Just can like change. this is going to change week to week when we figure out <laughs> what we're doing, who's coming next, right? Yep. But just yep. having fun with it while we're while we're doing it. Yeah, and also still striving for it to be good. You know, yeah. having fun, but also striving. It's holding that balance, I think, is a definitely something that I see shining through in this interview, and and I'd imagine that'll show up in other interviews too. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, I think we did it, Shelley. I'm. I'm so excited about this um, interview and sharing it with Milwaukee. Yeah. Because it just, it's so cool to hear these stories. And this is exactly, I feel like this is exactly what we were hoping to capture. You know, like how do these women do it? Where does their courage come from? How do they step into their courage? And let's watch them soar now. And and get together with them, right? So she also offered us some great ways to get connected to her own work. And so we'd encourage people to check out this cool fourth Friday event she's got going on um, where she brings people together to create the mural outside of her um, shop. What a great opportunity to like build community and practice sewing. And she's got such fun classes. I took a quilting uh, scrap quilting class. So we took scraps and I made a pillow. And it was like the most, I don't know, affirming class I've taken in a long time. It was a while ago, but I remember it feeling like, oh my God, I came in here two hours ago without a pillow and I am leaving with a pillow that I made from scraps that would have gone to the landfill. So anyway, my husband now uses that pillow in his um, office for his uh, therapy clients. So I think it's pretty cool that, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So much much to learn. So much to learn. We want to thank Vanessa for being our first guest on the podcast and for rolling with our performance art. (laughs) Thank you, Vanessa. And and then we want you to check her out. MadamChino.com is her website and she's on the socials at Madam Chino. Thank you, Vanessa, aka Madam Chino, for sharing your story. 
And we hope it's inspired you to share your story or to start on the story that you want to tell in Milwaukee, your own Cream City dream. And stay tuned for our next episode where we tackle, no, (laughs) we don't tackle, we're not tackling anyone, where we uh, talk to and invite another awesome Milwaukee change maker and go-getter that we can learn from, maybe identify with, and get started with our own Cream City dreams. With your own Cream City dreams. Are you loving the podcast? Oh, we hope so. If you are, do us a favor. Like us on all the socials. We are on Facebook at Cream City Dreams. We are on Instagram at Cream City Dreams. And tell your friends. Share our links on your socials. And maybe most importantly, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell them how much you love us. And if you're feeling even more generous, you could buy us a coffee at the link in the show notes. This podcast is a labor of love, by which we mean we absolutely love creating it, but it's a heck of a lot of work. So if you want to throw us a couple bucks to buy ourselves a coffee, or honestly, if we get more than a couple bucks, possibly some better editing software, we would not stop you. Have we mentioned that we have seven kids between us? So we're pretty much up early before the kids wake up to put this thing together. So coffee would not go amiss. Show us the coffee. And hey, you know some woman doing something inspiring in Milwaukee and you think we should interview her? Please drop us an email, creamcitydreamspodcast at gmail.com or head to our website. Let us know about her. And if you see our guests in the wild, be sure to let them know you've heard about them on Cream City Dreams Podcast. And as always, thank you so much for listening. It is a joy to connect with you here. Yes, you're helping us bring our Cream City Dream to life. Boom. Boom. (laughs) Thanks, listeners. We love you.